0: You're listening to The Zen Courses Show, episode 16, which just happens to be the first episode of 2016. Isn't that sweet? Welcome to The Zen Courses Show, the show for online course creators who care about building actionable, meaningful, and profitable online courses. If you're a solo entrepreneur, tech geek, or creative, The Zen Courses Show is the place to get expert advice for creating your online course, overcoming overwhelm, and growing a balanced business. To get the full experience, sign up at zencourses.co, where you'll get access to free lessons, resources, and more. Again, that's zencourses.co listen, before we get started, I just want to give you a little bit of insight into this interview coming up. I'm chatting with Brienne Dick from MyNameIsBrienne.com. In this episode, we really go deep into what it takes to create remarkable online courses and, and just learning products, period, for that, for that matter. We talk about you know, the steps and the things that you need to do to really take your courses to the next level. And we also talk about kind of thinking whether or not a course is right for you. So sit back and enjoy the episode and let me know what you think. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning into The Zen Courses Show. Today, I am chatting with Brienne Dick from mynameisbrienne.com, where she helps entrepreneurs launch products and grow their business by applying the principles of adult learning. Brienne, welcome to The Zen Courses Show. Thank you so much for having me. So is there anything you want to add to that intro? Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and the work you do? Sure, I can definitely do that.
1: So basically, I work with influencers, idea people, coaches, consultants, basically, a lot of people who have been building businesses, especially one on one businesses where they've got a a service that they're offering, but they want to be able to grow their business and they realize there's only one of them. And so what do you do when there's only one of you? Well, there's a whole bunch of different routes that you can take to grow your business. You could turn yourself into an agency, you could franchise your methods and certify other people in them. Or one of the most popular ways of uh, tackling that challenge right now is to create Uh, online or offline uh, programs, courses, group coaching experiences, all of which are variations of learning experiences. And what I do is I help those people to make sure that the learning experiences that they're creating are remarkable. Because I firmly believe that when you focus on creating a remarkable customer experience, that is absolutely key to creating sustainable and
0: sometimes explosive growth in your business. Definitely. Very well said and something that I know that our listeners will be excited to hear more about. So let's let's get a little personal and get to know you a bit. First of all, where are you from? I am currently living
1: in, well, I'm living in currently <laughs> sunny Calgary, Alberta, Canada.
0: Okay. Okay. Very nice. I think you're the second person I have uh, spoken to in Calgary. I hear it is the Great Plains of Canada. Is that an accurate description? It's where the plains
1: meet the mountains.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. So let's have a little bit of fun and help people get to know you a bit. I've got five quick questions for you. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Okay. So other than coffee or tea, what's one thing that you do each morning to start your day off right Oh, uh, to
1: start my day off right. I, I mean, I'm I, I eat my breakfast. It's not necessarily the very first thing I do in the morning, but uh, I I never skip my breakfast. Gotcha.
0: What is your favorite word, and what does it mean? Perspicacious. This is a great
1: question because people love my crazy words. Perspicacious is my favorite word because it lets me be all geeky. And it means uh, having a keen and discerning insight into things. So really being able to quickly
0: get to the root and the heart of things. Gotcha. So finish this sentence for me. If I weren't doing the line of work I am now, I'd be blank hopefully on a beach somewhere with you know a drink in my hand <laughs> got gotcha. you okay and since we are kind of midway in between the Canadian and US Thanksgiving i thought i would ask a food related question so cake or pie where do you stand ooh that's a tricky one <laughs>
1: usually usually cake but certain times of year like thanksgiving it's got to be pie
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. (laughs) Okay. Last question. What has been the scariest thing about being an entrepreneur for you? Just the uncertainty.
1: Yeah. You you know, there's there's no predictability. I mean, there's never any predictability in life. But for some reason, being an entrepreneur brings that all to the fore.
0: Yeah, definitely. Great, great answers there. So let's find out more about how you came to be an entrepreneur. What was your journey into this life? How did you how did you get here, Brienne?
1: So way back when uh, I was, you know, in in university, that's actually probably a good place to start the story. I was in university, and I studied computer science first. And then I decided I didn't want to be a programmer, but I would figured out how computers work. So then I was going to figure out how people work. And I went and did a religious studies degree. Well, what do you do with those two degrees? That doesn't exactly lend itself to a career path. But I had been doing web design and development on the side for a number of years. And those skills landed me a job in a post-secondary institution here in Calgary. Uh, technical college so everything from electricians to plumbers to accountants to uh, chefs and you know all of those really uh, practical everyday skills and so I started off as a, a web designer turned curriculum developer where I was building course websites this was when the internet was really starting to come into its own so you know simulations and animations and all this cool learning stuff and I was in that Uh, that institution in various roles for about five years. And I moved up the food chain. And finally, you know, through a a bunch of different related events, decided it was time to leave that day job. And I had become pretty good at figuring out, you know, how people learn as I had moved up, I had taken training in instructional design and that sort of thing. So I figured, you know, I'm I'm tired of being in a big bureaucratic machine, let's give this entrepreneurial thing a try. And I had been doing web design for a while. And I said, well, why don't I just try doing web design? Maybe if I actually tried, I could make a go of it. The question, of course, was, what does it actually mean to try? I, I <laughs> had never really, I mean, I, I had done a little bit on the side, but I had never really actively tried to build a business. And so I started taking a lot of online courses to try and master, you know, what does it mean to be an online business owner? What what are the skills? How do I find clients? All of those questions that new business owners have. And as I was taking these courses, what I found is that some of them were, were not too bad. And some of them were downright awful. And it really started to bother me because it's like, I'm spending thousands of dollars on these courses. And Like they're, in some cases, they were like a glorified ebook. I was like, I spent that much money for a glorified ebook. And I remember one situation in particular, where I was invited to participate in a beta of a new course that was being launched. And, you know, i was so excited. Like, this was the thing I was waiting for. It was from a blogger that I really respected. And I was, I was so jazzed. I signed up the minute it was available. I got the first module delivered to me. I zoomed in, went, you know, all the way in, got to the end of the first module, sat back and said, that's it. I was so disappointed. And it was in that moment that I knew I had a choice, a choice I had never actually let myself make before. I could either ask for a refund or I could reach out to the producer of this course and say, hey, this is a beta. I know you're testing things out. I know a thing or two about how people learn. Can I give you that kind of feedback? For whatever reason, that's what I decided to do. And for whatever reason, that individual responded and said, yes, let's look at it. And that was the start of my pivot away from doing web design and web development to start looking at how adult learning actually can help us grow our businesses. I started off really focused on how do we create amazing courses? How do we create courses that get results that people actually complete that people actually get what they want out of it. And since then, as I've grown my skills, and I've worked with more people, I've also started looking at the ways where adult learning and business strategy intersect. I'm a big believer that everything in business is affected by how people learn. Sales and marketing is an education process. Product delivery is an education process onboarding is an education process. and so if you can master the principles of adult learning and apply them to all these different area of your business it puts you in a completely different class than most everyone else out there.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up strategy and you, and you kind of touched on adult learning because I definitely want to get into that. That's kind of the meat of what I want to talk about today. So, We're here, and we're here to talk about the science behind online courses, which is what you started to get into as well. Mm -hmm. So let's start with that adult learning. Why is, I mean, you kind of got into it a little bit, but let's just give a, a clear statement. Why is that so important? Because there may be a lot of entrepreneurs out there who want to create an online course and have never even thought about it. Or they're listening and they're thinking, well, why would I, why do I need to know that? Yeah. Why is that?
1: Well, just like in school, we had the three R's reading, writing and arithmetic, right? If you got those three R's, you would be able to be successful in school. There's three R's in business as well. Those three R's are referrals, retentions and repeat buyers. And all of those three things are directly impacted by whether or not your product, whether it's a course or an ebook or whatever kind of product you're putting out there, whether or not it's able to get people the promised results. If you can't get people the results you're promising, they aren't going to stick with you. They aren't going to be retained. They're going to ask for a refund. If you can't get people the results that you promise, they're not going to refer you to others. You're not going to get that positive word of mouth. And if you can't get them the results that you're promising, they're not going to turn into repeat buyers that come back over and over and over again. So when we look about results and we talk about results, that's where we have to start our investigation is how do we actually get people the promised results? If you're trying to create a course, that means that you have to be able to help people do the things they need to do to be successful. That's actually one of my favorite definitions of learning, which is that (laughs) we know learning has happened when someone is able to choose a different behavior than they might have otherwise chosen. And so that is the critical piece that changes from just, oh, that course was really interesting to that course got me the results that I wanted, and now I'm going to tell the world.
0: Yeah. It's so good to, I'm just going to geek out for a moment because it's so good. (laughs) I come from an instructional design background as well. So, so I completely love being able to talk about this, you know, in a deep way. And I think it's going to be valuable for people. I think that one of the key shifts that I, that I've known, well, two things. One is that people are starting to realize that they have to get out of their own head and create a course that's focused, laser focused on their, their learner and the results. So I love that you said that, but I'd also like to talk about just how online courses are leveling up because let's go back to something you said earlier. How long was it? How long ago was it when you started taking those courses to learn about online business?
1: Oh, say 18 months, two years, something like that.
0: Yeah which isn't a huge amount of time, but I don't know about you. I feel like there's a shift happening. What do you think about that? I call it the tidal wave. There's a tidal wave of courses. So you go back
1: uh, a few years, say five years, and the the way you used the internet to make money was you sold ads or you had e-commerce. And that was pretty much it. Maybe sponsorship, but that really wasn't a big thing. The first shift we started to see was the ebook shift. Yeah. So everyone started creating ebooks and that was kind of the first wave. And then, you know, ebooks kind of became blase. And the next thing was you, w- I love this. You weren't allowed to call them ebooks anymore. You had to call them guides or <laughs> guides. handbooks or whatever. Right? They were still ebooks, but you had to call yeah. them something else <laughs> because then you could charge more money as the thinking goes. But what they started to do is they started to throw in Bundles, right? So you start to get an yeah. ebook with some video interviews, or an ebook with you know, a companion workbook, or whatever. And that was the second wave. The next wave that came was the short form e course. So you know the the thirty day challenge, or the four week challenge, or the one week challenge, kind of thing. Really short form. Which then you know as as they started to get more popular, started to expand, and so you started to see. Six and eight weeks becoming more common. In some cases, now you'll get three three month programs, and that's kind of the the wave that's cresting right now. Is um, you know, if, if you're familiar with the adoption curve, you start with early adopters, mm-hmm. and then uh, early majority, and and late majority, and late adopters, and we're kind of cr- starting to crest into that majority territory. That's the wave. That's coming. But what's really interesting about that is that the the early adopters have actually already moved on from these online courses. And what the early adopters are now starting to do is they're looking at the next level, the next evolution, which is certification programs. So not just creating the courses themselves, but actually certifying others in their methods to be able to get the reach out there in a bigger, broader way.
0: Well, what's interesting to me is that even though we're in that majority, so to speak, there's this differentiator that's coming in. And and that is, if I go back two, three years, I think to myself, okay, there were some premier online courses out there, some big names that had courses. But like you said, if you got into those courses, sometimes you were underwhelmed. And I think that technology is changing that and people are able to access and create courses so much easier. So people are having to level up a bit.
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, it's you have to stand out in the noise, right? And yeah. the problem is that so many people think that just using the latest and greatest technology is going to do that for them. But right. the problem is that that, you know, those early courses, the problem was not with the technology they were delivered on. The problem is that the the curriculum itself and the methods it, themselves were fundamentally flawed. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Agreed. Okay. So let's, let's talk about kind of a practical, how do we go about, we've already talked about adult learning and the importance of it. How do we incorporate adult learning strategies into our online courses?
1: One thing that you mentioned earlier was this, uh, this shift away from thinking about what you want to teach and starting to ask a different question. And that's the, that's the question of what do people want to learn from you? There's actually been been research done on this, the, a study where they took uh, an instructor uh, in a you know college setting, and they said to the instructor, "Think about what you want to teach your class, and then you know go and prepare your lesson plan as you would normally." And then the, you know the other flip side was they went to the instructor and said, "Think about what you want people to learn, and then go and do your lesson planning." So the only difference was the instruction given to the instructor as to either think about what you want to teach, or think about what you want. What, what your participants want to learn, what your students want to learn. Just framing right. the question differently was enough that at the end of the day, those instructors who were preceded with the thought of what do people want to learn, actually, you know, subconsciously changed their approach to lesson planning, to the way they developed and delivered their material, such that their students actually learned better and more deeply just by taking a different approach. And so when we think about how we are going to start embedding adult learning into our business, that's where we have to start. It can't be about what do I want to teach someone? It has to be what do they want to learn? What outcome or experience or goal or transformation do they have in mind? And then how can I facilitate that journey and help them get there faster? Because ultimately... That's what's going to sell the course. That's what's going to get people to, you know, opt in and actually participate. That's what's going to get people to be engaged, to want to follow through and complete. It all starts by figuring out what do people want to learn, not what do you want to teach them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So speaking of learning, let's talk about what, you know, those people or the yeah. learners or what you call the participants you have in your guide, the perfect participant, you share your process for defining your course participants. So let's, let's talk about that because yeah. I think that this is so key and I know that it's something that people struggle with. Why do you think this is important and why do you think that it is hard for, for people to grasp?
1: Well, it's it's exactly what you know we were just talking about, which is this idea that we are so fixated on ourselves and our own knowledge and our own expertise. And what happens is the curse of expertise comes into play, <laughs> which says that uh, you can't actually predict as an expert how long it will take someone who's not an expert to learn a new skill. You it doesn't matter what you try, how you try to debias yourself. You know, you can try and say, well, what are all the steps? Or how long did it take me? You can try and ask yourself whatever question you want. But as an expert, you can't get out of your own head enough to be able to predict the experience of someone who's just starting out or even someone who's partway along the journey. You can't do that. And so what we have to do is stop looking at these questions from our own perspective. That's where the perfect participant comes in. So, in business, we hear a lot about the idea of an ideal client avatar or yeah. an ideal client profile. And those are fine, but they have a problem. Actually, they have a couple of problems. The ideal client profile usually is made up, it's a fake person. It's not a real person, it's, it's an abstraction of all kinds of different people. When I talk about a perfect participant, I want you to be thinking about the people that you've engaged with in the past, whether they're past clients or they're friends or they're just people in your world or your sphere of influence. Who are those people? What are their names? Who are they actually? Who is the person that would be the right person for this experience you want to create? Because that's the other problem with the ideal client profile. It gives you this profile of who this person is in general. But it neglects the fact that who we are as people changes over time. And so when we talk about the perfect participant, we are looking at the participant who will gain the most from the experience you want to create with and for them. They're the person who is at that perfect point of readiness to be able to make the transition from where they are now to where you and they want to be. And sometimes where they think they want to be and where you know they could be don't always match. But you won't know that unless you hone in really specifically on who that person is, not in a general sense, but who is the perfect participant in that slice of time when they are perfectly positioned to get the most benefit from whatever it is you're creating and offering.
0: Okay, so before we go into some things you can do to clearly define that participant, because you touched on it, I it's so funny. You touched on that client avatar, which is Mm -hmm. something that we hear about a lot in online business and entrepreneurship. I just listened to a podcast where Derek Halpern spoke about how he he hates when people say use that find that client avatar because Mm -hmm. he feels that there isn't just one. So I want to flip that and ask you when with defining your participant is there just one are there multiple what how does that apply So there's
1: there's a couple of different ways at looking at this question so when we're talking about The perfect participant for a program. We are looking at a very narrow slice of time, and what what I'm doing when I'm doing that is I'm looking at the perfect person. We won't always get the perfect person, right? There's a difference between building someone for you know with a particular audience in mind and only making that available to that specific audience. So there's a nuance there because um, another thing that research shows and tells us is that. Uh, you know, you'll get people in your program and only a small percentage of those people will actually be active participants that will do everything to the nth degree to suck the most value out of the experience. So with that in mind, the other thing is that sometimes what happens is you have people that look like different uh, avatars, but they're actually the same person at different points along their customer journey. And so, you know, this is the whole thing. Value is transformation. That's what what Tara Gentili says is value is transformation. And so if we are providing value to a client or a customer, we are taking them through a transformation, which by default means... When they finish that transformation, they are no longer the same person as they were before. So if you want to sell something else to them, you actually are targeting someone else. It's a different slice in time. And so to to what Derek was saying, uh, Derek is absolutely right that we are not dealing with one nebulous person that is, you know, not real. We're dealing with, with human beings. Who are different from each other, who change over time. And in designing for the perfect participant, we are designing for the perfect person with an understanding that in doing, in having that laser focus, we will also attract people who are maybe 80 or 90% of our perfect participant who still have a lot of value to gain. But unless you focus really narrowly in the product development process, you're going to try and do too much.
0: Right. So focus helps you to, to create a program that is going to be most effective and most valuable. Exactly. Is what we're, what we're hearing. And, you know, I think that when you have growth, you can start to explore those other participants. But focusing at first is is a great way to start. Okay. So let's get back to the practical bits. Mm -hmm. Can you give us just an overview or a few things that course creators should do to define, to clearly define their perfect participant?
1: So this is where, you know, as, as I suggested before, you want to be thinking about a real person, whether it's a past client or a blog reader or whoever they are. You want to think about who the people are that you know that have been the most ready to use whatever it is that you're going to be creating. Someone who has similar values to you or who looks up to you as a leader in the market, who ultimately is asking the kinds of questions that you want to answer because we don't want to get in a place where we're answering questions that we don't mm. care about. That's that's the flip side where you can go too far in terms of listening to what people yeah. want from you. You have to focus on who is asking the questions that I I actually want to answer or explore. Once you have that person or, you know, two or three names in mind, then it's all about getting into that social brain And trusting your imagination a little bit. So, you want to be imagining, you know, I I like to think about it as imagine that you are your perfect participant's best friend in the world. You're sitting down for coffee with them, and they're just gonna start talking. You're gonna get on this topic, and they're gonna describe a situation that they're in. It's gonna be um, something that's a challenge or a desire that they have, something they want, something they're afraid of. Like This is your best friend. You're having a heart-to-heart here. You want to listen to what they're saying. What, what are they telling you that maybe they don't tell anyone else as it relates to this challenge that, that you want to help them solve? By putting yourself in that imaginary conversation, that helps you get out of your expert brain and start actually putting yourself in the position of figuring out what does my perfect participant think they need that's a very intentional choice of words because what they think they want or what they think they need may not actually be the thing that you want to give them classic example weight loss someone says i want to lose those last 10 pounds or I want to be able to fit into my favorite pair of pants. That's what they say they want. That's their words. That's their goal. You as the expert might know that what they need is to get the junk food out of their house. But what they think they want is the thing that's going to get them invested in the learning process. So that's why you have to focus on their language, their perspective, their words. And then you can start to dig into things like, What do they already know? What do they already know about how to lose those last 10 pounds? What are they currently doing well? What are they struggling with? Are there things maybe that they know about, but they're not skilled in? You can start to really figure out who they are in that slice of time and paint a really clear before picture of who they are before they're going to go through this transformation that you're providing. Then what you do is you imagine them after and you imagine that they, they are your perfect participant and they have completed your program or your course and it has been just the biggest success. They are, they've are they done you know, better than you ever imagined. And then you look at what is the after? What are they doing now that they couldn't do before? What attitude has shifted? What what did they know or know differently? What? How do they think differently? What skills have changed? That gives you an after picture. Then you can map before to after. So you have their before that you can focus on, you know, what do they think they want? Then you can look at the after that you know they can achieve. You can map that and that creates the framework for every decision that follows as you're figuring out What do I put in my course? What do I leave out? How do I organize it? How do I structure it? Because everything that you put in has to work on the basis of moving them from that before to that after.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for walking us through that, Brianne. There's so much there. There's so much, so many layers and so much to unpack. And I was just over here smiling because like I said, I geek out on this stuff. So we'll definitely be sure to share with the listeners, the link to your guide so that if they want to check it out and go deeper, they definitely can. Okay. Let's switch gears a bit. One of the questions that I get all of the time is where do I start? You think deeply about online courses and these things. So I would be remiss not to ask. I know how easy it is to give people a list of bullets, but from a strategic standpoint, how do you recommend people approach creating an online course outside of what we've already talked about with starting by defining your participant?
1: Yeah. The, the first question actually is to take a step back and say, should you yeah. be creating a course in the first place? Because you know, as we talked about off the top, right now we're in the middle of this tidal wave. And it seems like creating a course is the thing to do. But just because it's, you know, what quote unquote everyone else is doing doesn't mean that it's the right decision for your business. And so when we talk about business strategy, which is something that I love and I spend a lot of time working on for my own business as well as for my clients, the question is. When you look at the needs that your, your customers, your clients, your market are, are bringing to you, when you look at this customer journey that they are on, and you look at the function of, of what they're trying to accomplish, and then you ask yourself, what relationship do I want to have with that customer? Do I want to have a relationship? That is based on you know, a transaction where you know, I, I provide them with something and then they go off and you know, it's, it's a one and done? Do I want to have a relationship that is kind of coachy where I'm walking them through something? Do I want to have a consultative relationship? Do I want it to be long term, short term, somewhere in the middle? When we ask ourselves those questions, then we can actually make informed and intentional decisions about whether or not we should be creating a course in the first place. And if so, what that should look like because the problem is too often we start with a format in mind and then we reverse engineer. So we say I want to create a course and then we try and figure out what it's going to be about. That's that's completely backwards. What you yeah. need to do is start with the function. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to help your customers accomplish? And then decide is this a course? Is this an ebook? Is this a service? Is this Uh, a three month coaching program, starting with the question of function first, and then letting that reveal the format is always going to lead you to better outcomes.
0: Yeah. And making sure I love that you said just making sure that it fits your business. Because that's a question that I have asked Clients that I've worked with, how does this fit into your business? And oftentimes people don't know, which is fine. It's totally okay to say, you know what, I haven't thought about that. But the key thing is to think about it, to take a step back, like you said, and start thinking about it from a strategic standpoint.
1: A lot of problems in businesses are not product problems, they're not sales problems, they're not messaging problems, they're business model problems. And unless or until you are willing to take a focused look at your business model, you're not, you're not going to be able to solve the root cause. It's like a body. If you are not healthy, you are not going to be able to run a marathon. If your business isn't healthy, you're not going to be able to create the results that you want to create.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just, and this is the last thing people are probably going to be like, okay, we have it, we've got it. But something that I feel I need to express is that we spend a lot of time. There's a lot of online entrepreneurs and people who are listening to podcasts who focus on personal development, but think about business development as well. Set goals for your business, strategize for your business, visualize for your business and everything else should come from that. Okay. So. Speaking of growing a business, what challenges do you find? A lot of people have when they're tr- when they're in that phase where they're growing their online course. So they've already created something, and now it's starting to pick up. They're trying to figure out how to scale. What challenges do you find that people encounter?
1: It's really interesting because in the clients that I've worked with, I've I've found that there are different thresholds and milestones basically that you encounter at at certain levels of, of business development and depending on what threshold you are at or what milestone you're about to cross the challenges differ so someone who is you know in in one situation trying to move into the next is going to face a different set of challenges to then as compared to someone who is at a higher level and wanting to move to even a, a more sophisticated level, yeah. Um, so you know, if you're in that situation where you've you've got uh, an online course and it's doing rather well, uh, I mean the first the first question is really where where is your business going to go? Do you want to continue to grow the reach of this program or Are you maybe better served by adding uh, another program or another offer that you can use to serve those same customers again? Because remember the three R's, one of them is retaining customers, one of them is referrals. But if you're missing out on the repeat buyer part of things, you're missing a huge opportunities because people who have been past customers buy again at a huge factor, like, you know, like, multiple, multiple times more than someone who's not bought from you before. And so a lot of times, one of the challenges that I see, and that I work with people on is answering the question of what's next. Is it to Hmm. grow and scale the program? Is it to build your team? Is it to develop a new program to catch someone on a different part of that customer journey. Figuring out the answer to the big burning question of what's next, that goes back to that business strategy side of things and taking the time to think about those questions and actually being the CEO of your business and being in
0: charge of your
1: business instead of letting your business run you.
0: Well, thank you so much. So we're down to the final three questions. First one up. What's next for you, Brianne? Anything exciting coming up? Oh, you know, I've I've just gone
1: through a crazy crazy last couple of weeks. I was in as as we're recording this. I was in San Francisco last week. I was a guest instructor for Creative Live, which was a phenomenal experience talking about how to craft an onboarding process that. Really helps to get your customers to the next level, and so a lot of what I'm focused on right now is is you know really using that momentum, uh, just closing the doors. Uh, it probably will. The doors will probably be closed by the time this this episode airs. Uh, to my group master mastermind accelerator program called the Masterclass, which is all about turning your creating a, a, a world class framework for your ideas, creating that that outline and structure and, and actually selling the pilot of your your course and program and then as as we look towards uh, the the end of 2015 a lot of what I'm doing is is the same thing that we've been talking about here getting really paying attention to my clients and what they need so that as I do my planning for 2016 I can make sure that I am providing the highest value and getting the best results for my clients and and my customers
0: as well. Very cool. Yes, the exciting annual re- review time is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next question, where can people find out more about you and your work?
1: The best place to go is to uh, head over to com. That's my home on the web, and you can find you know all my social medias and whatnot from there. But uh, yeah, com. Is the best place to go to figure out, you know, what's going on in my world, and uh, you know, get get more of what I'm all about.
0: Okay. And last question: What's your why? Why do you get up and do this work every day? That's a good question. Because
1: <laughs> some days I'd say it depends on the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. We've all been there.
1: Yeah, but it's for me a lot of. A lot of people I work with are idea people. A lot of people that I work with are idea people. And they they have brilliant ideas to bring out into the world. And I'm not as much of an idea person. I mean, I love ideas. Don't get me wrong. But what excites me more is to be able to synthesize and aggregate and bring to life the idea that someone else has had that maybe they're not able to do justice to. I, I work with one client where I, I'm on a, an ongoing retainer as the operations uh, consultant for the business and, and we look at how we can make the customer experience and also the in, inner workings of the company work better using you know, psychology and adult learning. It's a product-based business. And what I love about that situation is that, you know, I don't have to be the idea person. Instead, I get to be the person, you know, the, the wizard behind the curtain pulling the levers that makes their ideas shine and gives them the platform and the exposure to, to make the change in the world that they wanna make. That's, that's why I do this, because I wanna make my clients look good.
0: That's a great answer. I love that. I got chills. Love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brienne. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm excited to share this with everyone. Thank you. Wow. I really enjoyed chatting with Brienne. I hope you got tons of value from the interview. If you want to find out more about Brienne Dick, head over to her site at mynameisbrienne.com. Also, Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to Brianne's site and some of the tools we mentioned during the interview. Just head over to zencourses.co forward slash 016 and you'll find all of the links and highlights. Again, that's zencourses.co forward slash 016. Okay, it is a brand spanking new year. What are you working on? I personally have got some exciting tools Lined up for you this year to help you launch your course because you know what? It's time. I know last year was hectic, but you deserve to get your course done this year. Some of the things coming in the next few weeks, I'm so excited about, but some of the things coming are online course platform comparison tools, tips for recording better media, and a tool to help you price your course. That's something that a lot of you have asked me about. If you're part of the Zen Courses crew already, you will be the first to hear about these tools. But if not, if you're not part of the family, come on, join us. Just head over to zencourses.co forward slash newsletter to join. That's zencourses.co forward slash newsletter. Finally, if you have been enjoying the podcast please leave an honest review in iTunes. It would mean the world to me and it will help others find the show. I know there's tons of people out there who need to learn more about building great online courses. So thank you, thank you to all of those who have already left reviews. All right, it is time for me to blow this popsicle stand and head to the gym. I am Janelle Allen and this has been the Zen Courses Show. Hey, thank you for being part of the Zen Courses family.